Hi, everyone. My name is Michelle from The Table in Uniontown. Thanks for tuning into our podcast this week. We're happy you're here. This is the live recording from this Sunday's sermon. We're currently in our Advent sermon series discussing the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. We hope that as you listen, you'll more deeply understand the truth of God's word and how much he loves you. Let's jump in. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you on the second Sunday of Advent, um, where we think about the concept of peace. There's this very famous story that you've probably heard before. It often resurfaces this time of year, almost every year. I, I feel like I hear some mention of it, and I quite like this story myself. During the Christmas of 1914, the, the First World War was raging on. What you expect during wars is a lot of casualties, hostility, and bloodshed. And there, there was that for certain. For certain there was that. But in the, in the midst of all of that, something quite unexpected happened. There's a series of ceasefires on that Christmas Eve night. Opposing forces, they were not only peaceful for Christmas Eve, but some continued the ceasefire and the peace even to the new year. And here are what some people who experienced what has come to be known as the Christmas truce. Here's, here's what some have said about it. A man named Bruce Barron's father, who fought throughout the war, wrote this. I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. I spotted a German officer, some sort of lieutenant, I should think, and being a bit of a collector, I intimated to him that I had taken a fancy to some of his buttons. I brought out my wire clippers and with a few deft snips removed a couple of his buttons and put them in my pocket. I gave him two of mine in exchange. The last I saw was one of my machine gunners, who was a bit of an amateur hairdresser in civil life, cutting the unnaturally long hair of a docile German soldier, who was patiently kneeling on the ground whilst the automatic clippers crept up the back of his neck. Henry Williamson, a 19-year-old private in the London Rifle Brigade, wrote this to his mother on Boxing Day. Dear Mother, I am writing from the trenches. It is 11 o'clock in the morning. Beside me is a coke fire. Opposite me, a dugout wet with straw in it. The ground is sloppy in the actual trench, but frozen elsewhere. In my mouth is a pipe presented by the Princess Mary. In the pipe is tobacco, of course you say. But wait, in the pipe is German tobacco. Ha-ha, you say, from a prisoner or found in a captured trench. Oh dear, no. From a German soldier. Yes, a live German soldier from his own trench. Yesterday the British and Germans met and shook hands in the ground between the trenches and exchanged souvenirs and shook hands. Yes, all day, Christmas Day, and even as I write. Marvelous, isn't it? Captain Sir Edward Hulse reported how the first interpreter he met from the German lines was from Suffolk and had left his girlfriend in a 3.5 horsepower motorcycle. Halsey described a sing-song which ended up with Auld Lang Syne, which we all, English, Scots, Irish, Prussians, etc., joined in. It was absolutely astounding. If I had seen it on a film, I should have sworn that it was fake. On Christmas Eve and Christmas Day in 1914, Alfred Anderson's unit of the 1st and 5th Battalion of the Black Watch was billeted in a farmhouse away from the front line. In a later interview in 2003, Anderson, the last known surviving Scottish veteran of the war, vividly recalled Christmas Day and said this, I remember the silence 
the eerie sound of silence. Only the guards were on duty. We all went outside the farm buildings and just stood listening. And of course, thinking of people back home. All I'd heard for two months in the trenches was the hissing, cracking, and whining of bullets in flight, machine gun fire, and distant German voices. But there was a dead silence that morning, right across the land as far as you could see. We shouted, Merry Christmas, even though nobody felt merry. The silence ended early in the afternoon and the war started again. It was a short piece in a terrible war. We find the story of the Christmas truce compelling because it's unusual, don't we? These people were attempting to kill one another and they stopped in the name of Christmas to be buddies, really, right? Exchange tobacco and pins, have some laughs, maybe give a haircut. And then they would go back at it, shooting at one another again eventually. And it was beautiful, too. That's also what makes it compelling. War is ugly, and it's not at all God's intention for the world. He will do away with it, as we read in Isaiah last week. But peace, peace is wonderful. Peace is God's intention. Peace on earth and goodwill to men, as the carol Michelle sung last week reminds us. We see a beauty in peace. We want peace. We just, we just want to be at peace. We put this value on peace. When someone dies, often one of their loved ones might say something like, well, at least now they're at peace. Or at very least, I hope they're at peace now. Right? You've heard people say that. And the question, which I'm sure I'll return to at the end of the sermon, is how is your peace this year? Are you experiencing peace? Is, is peace the regular experience of your life? Or would you say you're never at peace? Maybe you struggle to sleep. You toss and you turn. You're racked with anxiety. You can't seem to find peace anywhere, perhaps. And maybe you search everywhere for it. Maybe if I have this, it'll give me peace. Maybe if I find my person, I'll have peace. Maybe if I pursue this sort of spirituality, I'll have peace. Advent reminds us that peace is real. And peace is not only real, but it's accessible. Peace isn't real in some sense that it's like out there and if we could just work for it enough, we could get it. No, we can have the peace that we most need, peace with God. Advent reminds us that we can have peace with God and if we don't have peace with God, that is the biggest deficit of peace that we can have whether we know it or not, whether you know it or not this morning. And, and this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus was born. As my personal favorite carol, which we happen to sing today, says, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Luke 2, 10 through 14 says this in the New English translation. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news, great joy to all the people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. No, you might think, that is not how I remember Luke 2.14. You might remember it more like this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the King James Version. 
And that reading makes you think that there's this universal peace springing from this event, the birth of Christ. It's, it's the version used in the poem that we read last week, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. But here's the problem. The familiar KJV has some problems in the Greek. Your more modern translations don't translate it the way the KJV does for good reason. You're not here for a Greek lesson this morning. I'm not qualified to give you one. But we've come to understand that the more familiar and on earth peace, goodwill toward men isn't quite what the original Greek was getting at. No, peace on earth isn't the experience of everyone because it cannot be. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Those lines are not disconnected. It's not peace on earth and also, coincidentally, God and sinners reconciled. The peace you're looking for is only found in God being pleased with you. And God is pleased with Jesus' sinless life. And you cannot be, or and you can be, united with Christ in his death and resurrection and find the forgiveness of sins because Christ took your sins on himself on the cross and now you get his righteous record in their place. This is the gospel. Christ gave his life for you. You get his righteousness credited to you. This is good news. But you might think to yourself, peace with God? I didn't know I had a problem with God to begin with. God and sinners reconciled. We, we are not currently at odds, you might think. If you're, not here, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you might think, I'm not at odds with God. But Romans 8, 7, and 8 tells us this. Because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to the law of God, nor is it able to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Don't you see the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God and unwilling to submit to God's law, so God cannot be pleased with it. Those in the flesh do not like God. They're, in fact, hostile to him, and God is not pleased with that, of course. And if God is not pleased with you, you probably don't have peace with him. Now, you might say I'm here, and I don't know that I'm a Christian this morning, but I'm certainly not hostile to God. That is not true, you might think. But read the Bible Read the things God asks of you. Read the ways he asks you to live. Read the Sermon on the Mount even. And find out, do you take great offense? Do you find yourself wanting to live that way? Read the Old Testament. How do you feel about this God? Do you like his sovereignty? Do you trust his goodness? Do you find freedom in the ways he asks you to restrain yourself? Do you love his word? Do you read, like in the Sermon on the Mount, that to lust after a woman is to commit adultery with her in your own heart? And do you read that and you think, yes, this is a good teaching? Do you read, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and think, this is right. And not only is it right, I want to do it. Or do you think, I mean, I'm not going to start anything, but I'm, I mean, I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to like go kill my enemies, but I'm certainly not going to pray for their flourishing. Are you kidding me? Or maybe you just have a fundamental problem with the idea that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved from that. You bristle at that idea. Maybe it's the idea that, just the idea that you're hostile to God and you think that is not true at all. But in that you're calling God himself a liar and you actually are towards him. This is the reality of your relationship with God if you are not in Christ. Keller once pointed out in a sermon that that the problem is before we come to faith in Christ, we are at war 
with God, according to Romans 8, according to the passage that I just read. And he said this, he said, we aren't ignorant of God and thus needing information. We aren't indifferent towards God, thus needing motivation. We are hostile towards God, as this passage says, and thus we need reconciliation. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. You need to be reconciled to God, and you can be today if you put your faith, if you put the whole weight of your trust of, of what you believe will give you life. If you put that in the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, you can move from hostility to reconciliation, and you can have peace. Not like inner peace, though that comes as a, a fruit of this, but you can have objective peace. You can know that you and God are good. You can know that you are one with whom on earth God is pleased because he was perfectly pleased with Jesus and now you are in Christ. And so this is what we look back to at Christmas. But this peace, then it can bleed over into our lives together. The, the Advent doesn't mean political peace here and now. It doesn't mean we'll have internal peace here and now. It, it doesn't mean we'll feel peace necessarily, even though we do actually have peace with God. We might feel all sorts of unrest and anxiety and it has nothing to do with the reality of our right standing before God but we can have a community of peace now this is an implication of the peace we have with God Ephesians 2 11 through 22 says this therefore remember that formerly you the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision that is performed on the body by human hands that you were at that time without the Messiah alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who used to be far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, the one who made both groups into one and who destroyed the middle wall of partition, the hostility, when he nullified in his flesh the law of commandments and decrees. He did this to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace, and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by which the hostility has been killed. And he came and preached peace to, those, to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, so that through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and non-citizens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household because you have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. This passage is about Jews and Gentiles who love and follow Jesus becoming one community in the first century called the church. Now this passage doesn't sound particularly Christmassy, does it? Not a traditional Christmas passage. But this is what is set into motion by the coming of Jesus. You can have peace with one another, specifically in the church. You can be part of a community of peace. We here this morning might not be Jews and Gentiles, Jews, God's chosen people, learning that uh, the dividing wall between the two is gone and now that anyone putting their faith in Jesus is part of God's family. That was a lot for them to take in in the first century. It was a huge obstacle for the Jews. It was really some relearning they had to do about who was in and who was out. Perhaps today we don't have the same obstacle that they had. But we 
the church. We are a global, multi-ethnic family. We are black, white, Asian. We are American. We are every other ethnicity and nationality in the world. Not only that, but we are Republican and Democrat. We are on all sorts of different ends of the spectrum. We come from all sorts of people, from all sorts of thought systems. From a worldly perspective, we have no business getting along. And sadly, occasionally, we don't. But Jesus, in his small church of 12 at the beginning, had zealots and tax collectors, groups who hated one another, groups who wanted to kill one another. And they not only coexisted. You ever see that bumper sticker, by the way, coexist? Yeah, it's too low of a bar for the church. They not only coexisted, they loved one another. They were family. And in the church this holiday season, I hope you found a family. You found a family that loves and accepts you, warts and all. A family that knows you deeply and yet doesn't reject you for the worst things about you. If there's anything bad about you, maybe there's not. I hope that's what you're experiencing here. And I would urge you this holiday season and moving into the next year to, to press deeper into community. Stay for our meals. Join a small group. Attend that small group. Join and attend a Bible study. Know people and be known by people. And if you're in Christ, know this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who used to be far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. The one who made both groups into one and who destroyed the middle wall of partition, the hostility, when he nullified in his flesh the law of commandments and decrees. He did this to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. He doesn't just make peace like between us. It's him himself who is our peace. You can have peace with one another because you have Jesus. Jesus is the peace between us. The church is so unique because you can have people of different walks of life, largely different ways of seeing the world, different classes and races, and yet Christ is the peace between them. They may agree on very little, but they agree on the most important thing in the world. And if you have that between you, then what more is it that you could want? I remember when Sarah and I began dating, I would meet her friends or, or relatives and we would go on a double date and she would tell me a little bit about the people we were meeting with for dinner. And, you know, because as the man, I'm probably going to be talking more to the, to the husband or the boyfriend or whatever. I would always say, please just tell me this dude likes baseball. Please. Like, what else could I be interested in, you know? But regardless of what they're into, if we share the love of Christ between us, then we have more than enough in common. And the, the peace between us and God is foundational. And it's because of it that we can live in a new community that should be one marked by peace. And that is the church. It's not the perfect peace that we have with God, but it, it should still be marked by peace with one another. And then lastly, while, while the Advent doesn't mean all things will be right in this age, one day the world will be restored to perfect peace or shalom wholeness and so that's what we look forward look ahead to that's what we wait on in advent remember last week we talked about how advent is not about only looking to the past when christ was born to a virgin and lying in a manger but to the future when christ will return and usher in a new age where everything will be subject to his kingship revelation 21 1 through 5 tells us this then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. 
I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. The one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. This is the peace we have to look forward one day if we are in Christ. I think I say it every year, but, but it's fresh for someone in this room every year, and this year I happen to be one of those people. For so many of us, there's something missing this Christmas. There's someone who isn't at the table, whether we are estranged from them or like in the case of my grandmother, they passed away. They won't be giving and receiving gifts this year. They won't be laughing and remembering Christmases of years past with us because they are no longer around. And if that's you, and this Christmas, if it feels a little hollow to you, if you've already or you know you will shed some tears of grief at some point, for those in Christ, Advent reminds us that you will not always feel this way. You will not always have this experience. In this world, you experience grief and loss. And guess what? Once, once this one doesn't feel so raw, another one will come. I hate to say it, but it is unfortunately true. But one day you will be with Christ, God dwelling with people forever. And the promise is that death will be done away with. That every tear will be wiped away. There won't be any tears left to cry. And you will never experience the hollow feeling of grief again. You will never again experience pain in any sense of the word. That is the life you will have one day if you are in Christ. And these things, they all flow from the first. Do you want to live in a community of peace? One where you have the deepest thing about you in common with one another. Do you want to have one day perfect peace inside and out that just never ends? All of that begins with peace with God, made possible through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Life is hard. Things can feel bleak often. We talked about hope last week, and we can get glimpses of hope when we have little moments of peace maybe, but they never seem to last long. The natural mind is hostile to God. Before we receive the Holy Spirit, we are, in a sense, at war with God. Do you remember that quote from that interview earlier with Alfred Anderson, that last line that he said at the beginning of this sermon? His last line in talking about the Christmas truce was this. It was a short peace in a terrible war. Any peace we happen to experience in this life is just a short peace in a terrible war until we've been reconciled with God. But it is God who is out in the middle of the battlefield, recklessly standing there, arms spread wide open, saying, would you come out here with me? I would love to have peace with you. Don't you believe me? I'll give my son's life to achieve this reconciliation. I want you to experience this peace so badly. And you can, today, this Christmas. You can have peace with God. You can be reconciled to God. You can know that you know that you know that you know that you and God are on good terms. Better than that, that you are his child and he is pleased with you because you are in Christ. Michelle, you can come up.
Today, if you are in a place where you are realizing for the first time that you do not have peace with God, let's change that. You can come to him and simply say, I am sorry for a life of hostility towards you, for my sins. I, I want to experience a life of peace with you now. And you can do that as we prepare to take communion. You can meet him right in the middle of the battlefield. It doesn't have to be a short peace in the middle of a terrible war. No, it's the kind of peace that is once and for all. Perhaps you have that peace with God, but you haven't lived in peace with other people. Whether it's here or elsewhere, if you, if you have peace with God, what would it look like for you to live out that peace in your everyday relationships? It, live it out in, in a, a community of peace where you have peace with one another because Christ is your life and you have that in common with your brothers and sisters. Take that seriously this morning. If there's someone here this morning on the, on the off chance that you've not been at peace with, resolve it before you leave this morning. That'd be, a, that'd be a beautiful thing to see happen here this morning. And then lastly, if you're in Christ, and especially if this is a hard Christmas for you, I just would love for you to sit and take time to remember the life you will have one day. The life you're waiting on. When Christ returns and every tear is wiped away, when grief and death are no more. You may feel bad today, but there's a tomorrow coming where you will not, and we wait for that day. And all of it's possible because of Jesus and how through his life, death, and resurrection, he conquered death once and for all. The same Jesus who on the night that he was betrayed took the bread and after he gave thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, again giving thanks. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. So we take communion here every week at the table by taking the bread and dipping it in the cup and remembering what Jesus has done to reconcile us with God. Communion is available uh, on, in the back on my left or gluten-free communion on the right towards the back. And you are free to take communion whenever you want to do that. Um, I just ask that if you need to take some time to sit with the Lord that you would do that. This is your time to do that. My friend Randy's going to be available uh, on this side of the room to pray if you need somebody to just put a hand on your shoulder and, and go to God in prayer with you. I'm going to pray now and then um, you're free to do whatever you need to do. Father, I'm thankful for the peace that is on offer from you. I'm thankful for the promise that, that one day we'll have perfect peace. Our world will be at perfect peace, that you will restore shalom and that we will just, we'll have the life we've always dreamed of and it'll be with you, us with you, you with us. May Advent be a time not just of looking to 2,000 years in the past, but looking to that future. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our Sunday service. If you're interested in joining us in the future, you can find us at 17766 Cleveland Avenue Northwest on Sunday mornings at 10. Additionally, we host a meal every first and third Sunday after service in order to fellowship with one another. Visit aseatforyou.org for more information. We hope you'll join us next week. Go in peace.